Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod, and just just before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to say um, thanks to everyone who's um, reached out and shared last week's episode. It's gone down really well. Um, Jenny Patterson's and um, PR tips, people have been finding them really helpful, and and um, yeah, some really positive feedback on the on the episodes uh, and a few new followers. So if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, this week I'm joined by Stephanie Graham um, She's a jeweller uh, She runs Natla Jewellery Studio Where um, she's stocked in various places across Dundee um, But what the episode is, is mainly focused on Is the, the second part of her business um, and She goes into the, the sort of structure and why that's split out um, In the episode Dundee Community Craft is the other part of her business it's come from Stephanie's own lived experiences of trauma, of healing and of recovery. Um, and you'll probably have seen it in the, the title of the episode that Stephanie's big goal is to, to make Dundee the recovery capital of Europe. Um, and I don't think we can shy away or hide from from the issues that Dundee has as a, as a city um, and that, that many of the people here are going through and it is such a, a massive complex problem that is very difficult to address um, especially in the and, and have some meaningful impact especially in the short term it's very much a long-term issue that needs to be addressed and worked with and, and ultimately solved um, and Stephanie is doing some amazing work looking at that and looking at how teaching design skills and in particular jewellery two people can actually be a really important part of, of recovery um, and can be a really valuable space. Um, Stephanie takes her, her sort of mobile studio out to people and to groups and um, she teaches these skills one-to-one and, and creates these workshops. And there's there's obviously a process, there's a purpose, um, there's a, a driver behind it all, but there's, there's so much that, people can potentially get out of that whether that's just play exploration um or whether it's it's more of a, of a career path or a route into education and stephanie goes into that in, in a lot more detail in the episode um but i think just showing that real potential that design and, and teaching design skills and educating people about design has is so so important and we're not saying that everyone has to become a designer. That's not, not it at all. It's about showing the benefits of learning those skills. Um, and people can experience that. They can take things out of it at so many different levels and in so many different ways. And I think that's what was brilliant about what Stephanie's doing. I think as well, I would say that she's quite hard on herself in terms of where she's at. I mean, only been a year into this. Um, she's done amazingly well so far and, and things are going at pace, but it's probably something we've not talked about for quite a while on the podcast, but but this idea of, of starting up and, and taking time to establish yourself and your business, I mean, I think it really takes about three years at least to get to that point. And, and Stephanie's only really a year into that journey Um and has made great, great strides in the in the in such a a complex and and, and difficult area um, to address. So I think, yeah, she is maybe a wee bit harsh on herself in the episode, but um, 
yeah, she's doing fantastically well. Um, but yeah, I, I, and so it's time to get into the episode. So this is Stephanie Graham of Natla Jewelry Studios and Dundee Community Craft. So um, I was at Dundee and Angus College and I did my NQ in textiles, fell pregnant, had a baby, got back up and did my HNC in textiles, then my HND. And my tutor at the time was like, she go and do jewellery. And I didn't understand it, but it was the best piece of advice that she could have offered. I was going to do fine art originally, because I just wanted to sit and paint and make pretty things. But um, she was like, no, you need to go and learn some skills. You need to go and pick up some skills. And you like working with your hands. It's craft that you need to be doing. So apply to jewellery and metal design. So did you... Uh like since then have you realised why she made that recommendation? Yes because I can see everything down to like half a millimetre I think that um, I'm an observer and I can see everything (laughs) Um, yeah and you need to have that eye for detail to be a jeweller Um, probably because I'm a bit of a I don't want to say that I'm a perfectionist because I'm probably one of the most disorganised, messy people I know. Um, but when it comes do you think, to... Do you think they're mutually exclusive? Having an eye for detail and being but messy. Being a perfectionist and being messy. Hmm, I don't know. I, I, don't. I, I don't know what the answer is either. I just thought... I think that it's because I'm so focused on what's like in front of me that everything else is just background noise. It just becomes this big massive bin. Um, it, it's it's not good. I need to I need to clean up my act. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, how did you find? Obviously, you went to college, but then did you CAD? How was the like? Compare the the two systems. The two um, yeah. Dundee and Angus Shit. College was much better. Sorry, DJ Cad, I love you. I don't. <laughs> no, I do. Um, Dundee and Angus College were it was, um, and I, do, I I can't. It was just a happy time for me. Um, Duncan at Jordanstone, I think that um, academia. I have a lot of respect for people that work in universities and I have a lot of respect for people that are willing to ride through that shit um, it's a very competitive um, environment and I just don't know I was actually going to go and do my PhD after I did my masters um, <laughs> but uh, when I was like going through like the funding rounds and stuff like that and applying for funding I got to the point where I was actually like I can go and do this as a business. I don't need this pish. <laughs> like, I don't need to be called doctor whatever to go and do what I do. Like, I have the theoretical side. I I, I understand what it is that I'm trying to achieve. Um, I will go back. I think I will go back. No, I know I will go back eventually and do my PhD. But at the moment, I, I'm enjoying where I'm at and doing what I do. So, so what? What would it? What is the driver for you to go back and do that if it's not the it's not the title, and it's not because what you're doing at the moment is restricted? Then why mm-hmm. go back and do it? 
Well, I don't like to say this, but having the title, I don't, I'm not doing it for the title, that's not right, but just the way that people perceive you, you're more credible if you have certain titles in front of your name. Um, not, I'm not saying that that's right. I don't necessarily agree with it. But it's also just reality. It's just how the world works. Like if I have somebody that is a reference that is Professor blah, 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 he has influence. Or if I have a reference for somebody that's Counselor blah, 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 or Doctor ding, ding, dong, like they have more clout and influence they're able to and that's just life it's not fair i don't necessarily agree but it's just reality i could be wrong but yeah no i mean i do agree there there, i mean a lot of professions that look for even just like a a lower level looking for a a degree and you need that in order to get by um, to even get to the point of an interview or whatever that is, um, which I don't particularly agree with, and the no. the sort of the standards that people are being held to um, because of that, and it it forces people into a system. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is like it's it's also part of like why I do what I do because I wanted to make craft education. I wanted to take what was in the university and put it in and make it accessible to the community. Um, without the academic flowery bullshit that comes with it um, because I know that I can teach a practical skill and I know that practical skills are easy to be learned and sometimes actually that's all that people need um, is just having like a creative outlet is being able to have that sense of achievement and see products of their labour so I was like how do I just take this part and put it out there because the rest of it people people might not want that in fact and they probably don't need it at that stage um so at what point did you come up with this concept so um i did my <coughs> undergraduate mo- oh my god my undergraduate degree in jewelry and metal design and i was going through a hard time in my final year and what got me through it was having that creative outlet, learning a skill and just having a space to play. Um, it gave me a voice at a time that I didn't really feel I had one. Um, and so I knew the kind of service that I was wanting to deliver out in the community because I, when I went to university, it was like seeing a world that I hadn't seen before I didn't know that so when I applied to do jewellery I didn't know that it was that world that existed like I was like Jesus Christ like it opened my eyes and when I first went to university I was like oh this is going to change my life like this is going to be amazing Um, and I just wanted to give that to people and so then in my master's year I did my master's in product design and I did a design for healthcare module and I sort of dubbed this term socially prescribed craft so from what I knew from the module is that there's like medical models of care available in the community 
for people that suffer from mental health problems but where there's a gap in what's missing is more holistic models of care and I was like well what I have in that workshop is a holistic model of care like craft for emotional and mental health like overall well-being it's well researched it's well developed in sort of the craft and design community so I was like how do I take this and put it out there and how do I make it something that's accessible through doctors um I'm still fighting not fighting that I don't want to say that but I'm still trying to make it um a thing really um I think that there's people that get it and the people that get it really really get it um and the people that don't are dinosaurs so yeah (laughs) but yeah and I mean you come across them in every industry, right? Yeah, they're everywhere. I'm like, okay, hello. <laughs> and then I suppose you've just got to, those people who do get it, you've got to embrace them and get them to be your champions. Yeah, I've had um, I've had a lot of, like on the grounds, like everywhere that I work, like I have amazing people around me that totally, like I don't think that they got it to begin with, but then when I was working in St Mary's, like they got it like straight away and after I just achieved that first set of workshops I was like I can do this like this is what I can do with people and um it's just sort of developed from there it's not perfect um it's still got a lot of adjustments to be made to it and I could definitely improve but I'm I know the end goal and I wish I was there, but I'm not. <laughs> but I I like trying to see into the future, even though, well, I definitely can't see into the future, but it's just, like, that's what keeps me going, I guess. Do you want to explain what that, that end goal is? I want a van okay. that's got um, a workbench and a workshop in the back of it so that I can reach more community centres and so that I can take it all over the world and show people craft and design is a method for emotional well-being I think that the world needs it right now um so that's where I'm trying to get to and it's going to be not like a hippie van but like a hippie van and I'm going to take it to like I'm going to take it to festivals all over and I'm going to take Josh with me (laughs) and it's going to be great and so I'm trying to do that and I want to get a fleet of them and I want to get it to the point that I can hand it over and I know I've been told so many times like Steph that's not relevant but I'm that's that's the end goal is I build it up I build it up I build it up I have staff I have people doing it out in the community and then I go you can do it yourself now you don't need me anymore and I can just walk away yeah I mean I think I don't see that as not being relevant everyone needs that vision right that yeah. thing as you say the thing that you're working towards because <laughs> i'm working myself out of a job i'm working to early retirement i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm going to work my ass off and i'm gonna get it done <laughs> so let's sort of talked about what the the vision the the end goal looks like mm-hmm. um, maybe let's jump back a bit to the sort of after you finished your your master's yeah. You have this concept. 
So I started developing it during my master's. Okay, um, yeah. And then for my final project, I prototyped and tested it with friends. <laughs> so, okay. So, and so, like, what did that prototype like phase look I like? I just got them into my house to my workshop, and I ran a few like soldering workshops, saw piercing workshops, enamel, and I was like, "Do you like it? How do you think that is?" Blah 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 blah. Some of the feedback was like, no, a lot of the feedback was really really good. Um. So yeah, I originally prototyped it in the community, just with my friends. And when I say in the community, I mean in my house. Um, I then just took it to the community. Um, it's not all been successful. There's been times where I've gone and I've not been able to produce what I've wanted. I've not been able to deliver how I wanted to. But the times that it has worked, it's really worked. Um, I'm not, as I said, I'm... I'm still developing it now. It's in its very, very early stages. It's not as if it's advanced or anything like that. It's literally, I'd say that now it's gone through its definite first design evolution over the last six months. And I'm gonna need to go away and take the feedback that I've got. Cause I do, I ask my students in the community, what can I do better? And they're like, Steph, you're a bit forgetful. Steph, come on, you're like, and I get that, <laughs> and so your time management skills aren't great, and I, um, and I hear them, I totally agree with them, and so I'm going to need to go away and actually reflect and work out how do I actually move forward from that, because I need to find a way to do it, um, as I said, I'm training up a member of staff, um, I'm hoping to get more, and I just... I'm hoping that that's going to mean that I'm going to be able to deliver even better results. Because um, at the moment, as much as I have like a team on the ground, so like I have people from like different organisations, so it's like multidisciplinary essentially. Like I've worked with the police, council, um, Dundee Voluntary, Vol- Volunteer and Voluntary Action. Um, we are with you. Like all these organisations have supported me and they've been great. But the issue is is that I'm the only jeweller. So I'm going to have to train people up. And that's the end goal is is that I have apprentices, like community artists and apprentices. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. So, I mean, do you want to explain a little bit about the, how the business model works? Okay, so when, so... After my, during my master's year, I applied for funding to do a PhD and then I got knocked back and I was going to sit and apply for it again and they're like, oh, you can always pay to come. And I was like, pay to come? Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm <laughs> get your Ponzi scheme away from me. Um, so uh, at that point I was like, fuck, what do I do? I know that I know that there's potential here, so I applied. I got in contact with Kirsty Thompson because I'd heard about Kirsty the whole time I was going through uni. So I had Ali McGill. He was like Kirsty, 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 and I remember she did a talk when I was in like second year. So I was like, I'm going to contact her, and I did Circle Academy. And I had this idea in my head and I was like, Kirsty, I want to deliver all of this stuff for free. And she was like, well, you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to end up unwell. And I'm telling you this, do not do what I did. 
So I was like, okay. Um, and then I originally started trading under my name and I was like, I don't want this. And I just then set up Natla. I started as a sole trader. I went into community centers as a sole trader and I was like, hello, I can do this. I need this, this and this. Um, so yeah, and then I always explain to people I'm more than profit because the profits that I do make, I direct, I reinvest directly back into myself, products and the business and that business does have a social impact. Um, I've had a lot of, there are barriers with that though, like as a sole trader, it's, um, I can work with people, so there's been some organisations that totally get it and are great, um, but the barriers are in, I'm quite new to sort of that circle of life and so I don't want to say the wrong thing, but as a sole trader it was just harder for me to apply for like funding bids and stuff like that. So I now, I separated sort of my two businesses. I have my sole trader business, which is my brand, which is stocked in places. And that's very much just another revenue stream for me. And it's there. And it's just create, it's just creating jewellery pieces. Yeah. So I've got like my first collection called From Brussels With Love. And it's in the DCA and Hame and 58 Bonnie Gate and the Windsor Gallery. And so yeah, that's where that is just now. And I've also got like a Dundee ring collection thing that I do on a commission basis. And I've had quite a lot of interest in that. And that's just me. And then I've got my Make Your Own Talisman course, which I recently ran at Reboutique. So do you want to explain a little bit about um, your experience at the Circle and how that process worked going through the programme? Um. So it was all remote. I think I was the first cohort online that that was like done purely remotely. So I've been like, and I had a space at the circle at Staffa Place. Um, but actually because I worked so remotely, it didn't actually make sense for me to fully move to Dudup Castle with them because I was in community centres and it, I want a van. <laughs> so there was no point in me playing room. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I, so when I did the actual course, I just sat at the same time I was doing like my master's final thesis thing um, and I did that course at the same time and it was just online and I had Ruth and I had Kirsty and I had Jenny and Kate and they're all just brilliant. Um, I have a lot of business knowledge now that I wouldn't have otherwise had and I'm still getting some support from them and they're helping me and they've they've just been brilliant. Um, so, like, if anyone doesn't know about this program or knows about it, doesn't know anything it. about the circle, <laughs> but well, not everyone should, though, right? There, there's certain there's a, there's reasons to go through the program. And um, there's sort of criteria over what the the kinds of well, it depends ideas what you're wanting with. to do. Like, I'd say anybody that wants to have a business that also has a positive social or environmental impact, go to the circle. Um, because you'll get so much knowledge, like invaluable knowledge and a manual that tells you about all these business legal structures and that that's definitely 100% worth your while. Um, I know stuff about that now that 
I would have just been blind to it. Like I had my eyes opened. So like once you came out the other side, once you've com- completed the program at the circle, mm-hmm. obviously at that point you're, you're going out and you're working with communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does, how does that work? How do you deliver your, your workshops and your program? So they were supposed to, well, they're like eight week courses, but with the people that I do work with, I, I saw I saw so much of a need for what I do that I've stayed and I want to make sure that <laughs> I'm able to let them do it themselves, as I said, but I pack up all my tools, I take it on a bus, I set up bench pegs on a desk and usually what I'll do is I'll do a demonstration and I'll go, this is what we're going to do today and I'll show them what to do. Then for maybe the first few weeks, I'll sit beside them and make sure that I get quite close one-on-one tuition with people. And then after that, I say, right, we're going to repeat that process, but this time I'm not going to help you nearly as much. And it's usually in only groups of four or five because I can't teach more than that. It's just not realistic for me at the moment. Um, But again, that's why I've taken on another member of staff so that I can deliver a higher quality service um i do saw piercing i do soldering i do enameling i've done them in the vna i wasn't allowed a handheld blowtorch in the vna i'm not yeah i'm not surprised <laughs> i was like because i was going through all the kind of workshops that i could do and i was like to the guy i was the i don't want to say the guy peter um i was like can i do soldering? he was like, absolutely not yeah, they're, they're quite protective of their building, <laughs> understandably. Yeah, um, so I've done saw piercing, enameling. So, like, I, I don't know what those processes okay. are. So, well, like, how how do they work? How do you run that over a over the over a course? Okay, so for saw piercing, I attach a bench peg to a table, and I give them a handheld saw blade. And I give them a piece of copper and I go, you're going to saw out shape. So I cover a bit of copper sheet. It's usually about 0.5 mils thick. And I put masking tape on it and then I say, draw a shape. And now you're going to saw pierce that out. And then they saw pierce it out. And then the week after I'll move to say, right, we're going to enamel it now. So then I show them another process of enameling, which is fusing powdered glass to metal. So I use a kiln to do that. And I let them play around with different colours because colours are great. Um, then after that I'm like right we're going to do a, a cabbage on setting and I show them quite closely how to do one of them What what is one of them? Um, so a cabbage on setting is no like <clears throat> how do I explain this no how you get wedding rings and the stone is set in with like pinchy claws so that's a claw setting then a cabbage on setting is you usually see them with like oval stones and they have like a little wall around them and you just fold everything over so it's like this protective wall around a shape and it's usually silver or gold and so like at the end of those what what are people producing talisman okay so so what is a talisman it is like amulets and talisman they're supposed to bring about good luck or good fortune and protect people from danger um the way that i sort of see it like i imagine that if people wear a piece that they've made and they've had that like time where they felt seen heard and had a 
bit of peace in their life that if they wear that they can be reminded of that like moment in time so yeah to bring good fortune because it no like how you get like mindfulness buddha beads <laughs> and they're like these like beads that you wear around your um wrist and when you're anxious to ground you you're meant to rub them because it's meant to bring you back into the present moment uh, um, i imagine them working like that like if you hold it, it reminds you of a it maybe doesn't ground you but it'll definitely like remind you of a time when you were peaceful and i think that that's a nice thing to have because i mean as you you teach these skills essentially you're, mm -hmm. you're teaching people skills throughout the throughout the course um but what you're delivering is is more than that right um here i'd say that i'm trying to create a safe space and create some peace in people's life um i try and create a place of non-judgment um with learning a new skill like obviously i've been doing it for about five years now but um everybody's on an equal playing field like there's no hierarchy um and it's just it's just fun <laughs> and it's just it's a t it's it gives people a voice it gives people a rite of passage it gives people a language um and yeah, it's just, it's, I try and make it as safe as I can. I've got, yeah, I've got really, really good people around me in the places that I work. And so like, who are the communities that you're, that you're working with and bringing in to do the workshops? And I've been working with St Mary's quite closely for quite a while now. I work there and I work in Lochie, um, and not everybody that I work with has suffered from a trauma, but I, I'd say that the one thing that sort of binds everybody that I work with is they've experienced poverty. Like I don't want to make out like oh poor because they're like they're brilliant. <laughs> like do you know what I mean? Like they're 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 so great. Like they're just they're just the most amazing people. Um, and again, it's hard choosing the right language because I'm always like yeah. Um, mental health and substance misuse but like that's language that feels comfortable for me whereas it's maybe not the language that they would use so it's probably better asking them <laughs> yeah no i mean <laughs> i suppose there there are labels that can be used and can be applied quite easily um and flippantly mm -hmm. to but and as you say they are they are people and i suppose what you what you're doing with the the work and the workshops that you're doing is is given that creating that space creating that opportunity for them to engage in and craft and design i suppose yeah and it it gives them access to something that i don't think that they'd otherwise know exists because i didn't know it exists and i've had a very privileged life so it's a way of providing education like because learning a practical skill is education it's a form of mindfulness it's holistic um yeah i see it as like a form of empowerment and support and recovery through craft and design um and that's 
what I've called like Dundee Community Craft, my community interest company. That's that's its goal, is to provide support through craft. Um, I think craft builds up resilience because it takes ten thousand hours to perfect a skill. Um, and every time people make stuff with me, they don't always achieve anything like sometimes they will be just learning a skill so their end product isn't actually anything they're just practicing and it takes practice so it teaches like your mind discipline and it teaches it to focus which now I can only speak from my own experience here when you live a chaotic lifestyle is something that you need to try and bring you back to reality so if you're even just a few times a week you're sat down and you're focused for that wee while that you're focused you're just focusing for what's in, with what's in front of you which is the re- which is actually the respite that people need and it's again it's conversations over what's in front of you like in the here and now um and with what I do I've taken people to markets and I've showed them, you know, you can make money with this, we can sell this stuff. Um, so there's always a goal. So at the moment it was for that V&A exhibition I've put on. It's like, right, guys, we have to make because we have an exhibition to prepare for. So it's that way of like, you're always looking forward um, because there's always something to that we're working towards and looking to achieve, which means I'm I'm not forcing them to look into the future I'm like, but more like when you're working with me I am going to make you think about the future which and again I'm saying this from my own experience um, at one point I couldn't see a future like because I was so consumed by like what was going on in my life that I couldn't see a future so if you're able to just say like you need to keep going because we're working towards this like at at some level whether people realise it or not it does build resilience and it keeps people going and moving forward and I hope that I give people hope (laughs) but you say there hope is one thing that you you want people to get out of it yeah um and you talked about taking people through a process yeah so what else do you once someone has completed your course mm-hmm. and uh, you also talked about the sort of the commercial viability mm-hmm. of that showing them that it is the, the potential is there to make money from yeah. these skills what else tangible or intangible do you want people to take away from the experience that they have i always um I always um, remind people that I work with, you know, like you can st- you can still go and do things with your life. Um, it's not over. It might feel like it's over <laughs> now, but it's not. <laughs> um, you know, if you come to this market with me, you can say that you've had job experience, you've got work experience now. I try and make people see their own self-worth. I can only speak from some of the things that I've done so far. I've had people go and do their own markets. 
and they've got another revenue stream for themselves. I've had one apply to college. Um, I've had others just talk, which is huge. But again, these are all things that, like, they're not my s- stories to tell, really. But they are the outcomes or the the positive change that you've created off the back of the work that you're doing, right? Yeah, and what I will say is, is what I do isn't for everyone because not everyone's going to enjoy making jewellery, but it's for the people that really like me, fine, like, because it was my thing, like, it was the thing that I found that helped and it was the thing that I found helped me rebuild myself and I think that if it can help me rebuild who I am it can help someone else rebuild who they are and I think that what I think so it was something that I went through I I forgot almost that I didn't have to stay in the state stay the same and I didn't have to stay stuck but I needed somebody to give me the tools to show me how to move and that's what I try and do I try and say here's my tools um how you do it and they do. And do you think that's specific to jewellery? No, it's craft in general. Um, so textiles, pottery. I'd love, so I have one woman that's going to maybe come and do crochet with me, but pottery, like, these things should be more accessible and more readily available in the community right now there's a need I can't fix everything I don't have the answers to poverty and trauma I don't have the answers to any of that and my worldview as I said like my worldview is very very limited but the need that I'm I'm hoping 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 that I'm meeting people is that um, I make people feel good about themselves I make people feel peaceful make people realise their own self-worth um, when people have issues with trauma, um, they can have, and again, I'm speaking from experience here. I'm not speaking from a place of like, I'm an expert on this. When you've experienced a trauma in your life, like it can lead you to have a very negative self-image and sometimes you need to paint a different picture for someone. Um, and you need to alter how that person views themselves <laughs> and it's like a mindset thing like that's what <laughs> so Jamie McBerty has been amazing working with me and like helping me change my mindset he's like no you're it's because you're looking at that in a negative light you're gonna have to change your perception but again when people's eyes are shut to a world you need to yeah, and you need to create those sort of opportunities. And pathways, like, and, like, shine a light and say, like, that's that way, that's that way. Because I think what's what's really interesting, there's, there are some small parallels in some of this, the work that I've done through Dundee Design Festival in creating mm-hmm. spaces where people can come and play with the process of design, if mm-hmm. you like. Um, and it is about creating opportunities it's about creating space for people to come and explore and to play and to take out of it whatever they want Mm -hmm. um and i think like 
the work that you're doing is brilliant because it makes it so accessible yeah um and you're able to sort of offer these real tangible skills and as you say like yeah it takes ten thousand hours to perfect something but you don't need to perfect it you don't need to get to that point in order to gain something from it whether that's on a small personal scale whether that's on a sort of okay i'm gonna make this my career yeah a lot of people that come to me just want their to play, want the chance to play, and if that's all they get out of it, that's that's okay with me too. Because I like I'm quite aware that I'm a designer, but it, oh, it's so it's so weird. Like I don't know if you understand. People are like, oh, she's an artist. Oh, she's this. She's that. But so so do you, when I say I'm making design more accessible, like I'd say that the design world is very not gatekeepy. Um, I'd say yeah, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and it's not accessible at the moment. It's just not accessible. Like even for me, like even for me, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's maybe even even centrally, like if design in the city centre, um, it's still not accessible because nobody wants to engage in it because they're like, what the fuck is design? Like, what is it and what makes it different to art? And it's like, but you're not drawing a pretty picture. So, like, what is design? And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I think that's it. And design, I don't think does a... Like, sort of in general, I don't think it does a good job of talking about what it is. And I think the, the one of the problems is that it is so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's embedded in our everyday. It's embedded, embedded in all the objects that we... Or the services. Or the, yeah. The, the the technology that we interact with it's mm-hmm. it's all deeply embedded in that and the, the the stories of what that is how that's come the process of it is really difficult and complex to explain yeah but i think what what design does very badly or doesn't do often enough is to create content experiences events that are aimed at a much broader audience and that don't require any previous knowledge understanding or skill yeah even i like i so i have a degree in design i have a master's in product design degree no what sorry i have a master's in product design and if someone was to ask me what design was i'd be like it's how stuff's made and i think that's oh god like when i think of design i think of like steve jobs and all that like um but it's not just that um it's the little things. It's the small details. It's how a letter's written. It's how you're spoke to in a service. It's it's so much more than that. Yeah, design that is gatekept. Absolutely. And I mean you're talking about one of the massive gatekeepers of the university. They hold a lot of the keys because they are the place that you're meant to go and get your education. Mm-hmm. Um and also, like in other ways, they because people require degrees or formal education, or it's very difficult to get into that and industry as, without it. And as well, like the design industry, not the design, like university is not as ex- accessible as what I think it wants to think it is. And I had I had this issue, and so did somebody else, where if you have a child and you're trying to go back into education, and you're trying to better your life you're penalized for it because you get your so if you're a single parent and you're on universal credit and you then go to university 
you get your universal credit stopped and you get your housing benefits stopped and you're supposed to pay your everything using your student loan so then you're already at a disadvantage because you then can't access the textbooks you can't access the same tools the same materials so you can't ever get up that ladder you can't break in you can't break through because i'm still sitting here so i i went back into university as a single mum but i went in as a single mum with a family behind me that helped me not everybody has that I have, I have met, like, my mum's, like, a, I don't know how to describe my mum. She's, like, militant, and she's just, she's great, but um, not everybody has that. And so, single mums, like, the group of people that you sh- that sh- need back into education, it's so hard. Now, I've set up as doing what I do, but, I like, I'm already starting to say, like, oh, God, I miss time with my son. Um, Yeah. But even, like, the v and have been great with me, but it's a hard one. I still don't quite know how I feel about the v and <laughs> um, It's weird. Yeah, and I think there's there's similar sentiment across the city that it's not, it's not yet a building that's for everyone. No. And I still, honestly, uh, I can't wait until the world gets to see her, but, like, someone pointed out to me that the inside looks like a laminate floor showroom (laughs) (laughs) and uh, people were like there's no Dundee in here and some of the feedback was like and I still don't honestly I still don't know how I feel about it personally as well like I used the space because I was like I really I care about Dundee and I care about the bigger picture but I'm still not entirely sure I want the V&A to try really, really hard um, to help as many people as they can. And so I'm in a bit of a weird position because like, I see so much potential with design, like loads. And it's why I do want to go back and do my PhD because I do see so much potential in design for healthcare. But I just don't know. I don't actually know the answer I'm hoping that I can be part of that answer and part of that journey. But I could really do with some more support and work for, with the V&A on that. And, to, cause, and, and yeah, they've supported me and they're helping me right now. But, um, but I think that there's a lot of different factors and organisations and like that. Yeah, the V&A has got to be part of that. But I suppose mm-hmm. it's got to be part of the bigger picture. Um, I mean, the next one that's coming along is going to be the Eden project, yeah, yeah, and the potential of that sort of stuff as well. So, but then again, it, it's sort of they are the headlines, right? They are the the big names that, yeah, they have a purpose in bringing in revenue streams mm-hmm. for the for the city, within tourism and and whatever else. Um, but yeah, but as as a, as you say, like it's it's what are the the citizens? What are the people who live? They do. They, it's just, it do, it's not reflected of their culture, I don't think, ultimately, because it's not Dundee based. Like, so a lot of feedback that I've had, and I do, I ask, like, I'm like, well, what is it like? Like, how would this? How can this place be more like? How if it felt like your space, what would it look like? 
Um, and they were like, well, when you go into the McManus galleries, there's a lot of stuff to do with Dundee. And if you go to Verdant Works, like it's there's heritage. Um, whereas Victoria and Albert, Dundee, like, do you know what I mean? Like it's not, there's a disconnect. It's There's definitely a, a disconnect. Um, and so when you're saying the, the feedback, is this the, the people that you're doing the workshops with? Yeah, because I do, I ask. I'm, I'm like, cause, see, because I'm sort of like a... How do I word it? Um, mutual ground. I don't know. How would I... How would I, I I'm trying to lean into embracing that it's there. But because I'm just sort of sat on the fence about it, I'm like, what do you guys think? what do you think could be better like how do I do this blah 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 um what would the V&A need to do a lot of the feedback that I've had is like you know if we're from the city it should all just be free for us which makes sense because I'm sure that that's what museums are like elsewhere that if you're from that city you just get to go um and it's going to get to the point where it's like well if he's do you know what I mean like if this doesn't feel part of you then I don't want to force that on you either and so I've got to be not careful but I want Dundee to be the recovery capital of Europe that is my mission okay. design for healthcare it's definitely an area where design plays a huge role um, there's not so with what I do it's not available just now there's not equal access to that um, more holistic models of care need to be implemented I think design does play a role in that because it's, it would design how those services are delivered um, and that's what I'm going to explore but I need to develop my thinking more I can't sit here and speak about that in great detail because I need to I need to go back to Chris Lim DJ Cad, and he's the guy that did the design for healthcare module with me and I need him to help pick my brains I need to develop my thinking and that's going to take time um, this is not a quick fix it's going to be a long journey and long process um, I think as well but like the, the, when you talk about that that goal mm -hmm. that you have and that vision like it's things don't happen overnight like we, oh, no, they don't. we live in this um at a time where s stories are told as if they do so the 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 big tech giants or whatever oh, you yeah. only hear the last six months of their success you don't hear of all the 20 years of failures and oh my god companies I've, that have gone under. i think that my i think that my failure to success rate is about 85 to 15 i tried to set up a business in 2016 and i just didn't take it forward um i've been at what i'm doing now i've been doing for nearly a year and it's 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 fucking hard do you know what i mean like it's really really hard um but a year is not like a year is not a long time no and it's and but i think that that's because of how society is like we live in such an instant gratification thing like yeah. i'm victim of it as well whereas like actually just taking things slow and enjoying it is much more it's just a better way to be um especially with like news media sensationalism everybody's always like 
click 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 and you see like even with news headlines like it's all just clickbait now and people just want that I don't know how to explain it Um, it's going to take a long time for Dundee to recover as a city from what's happened to it and so how do we do that what what are the what are the things that we that we need to do or need to make happen as a city to to start moving in that direction faster um well because dundee's problem is is everybody's responsibility like you can sit and blame whoever all you want but it doesn't change anything um but it would we would definitely start with um, just being a bit more understanding. I'd say that if people really wanted to understand what's going on is like education about trauma. Like if people understood how trauma affects someone, what it does to someone. Stigma is huge. I see a lot of stigma and I shouldn't have to sit here and say this. Like there's been people that have been speaking about stigma for ages um, and they've been campaigning for change for ages and it's like it's just fallen on deaf ears um, I shouldn't have to sit here and say it um, but then again it's such a sensitive and touchy subject um, it's hard for me to sit here and do it alone because I'm scared <laughs> I know it sounds weird but it's um stigma is huge I think that people want to think that we're moving in the right direction when it comes to like mental health and drugs and that stuff but we're not I think we're actually not when it, when push comes to shove and it's like in front of you and in the real world I, I see a very different story um Definitely a bit more kindness. That's what the Drug Death Commission report said. It said kindness, compassion and hope. Um, I don't know how that's going to be achieved, but I, I definitely think that people just being a bit more aware of what's going on and trying to be a bit more understanding um, when it comes to like mental health and that you know there's it's such a wide spectrum about how it does and doesn't affect people and there's different like it's it's much more complex um, I'd say try not to judge uh, you don't know someone's going through so just keep your judgement at the door because people don't need it they just don't because obviously like in the work that you do your experiences have fed into that but it allows you to connect with those people that you're working with and have I suppose empathy must be really important in, in the work that you do yeah, definitely. Um, 
And as I said, like I, I can empathize, but I'll never fully understand. And I have a certain experience, but it's not reflective of what I'd say is a more... My voice shouldn't trump the voices of other people in the city that are talking about it. But I think that because of maybe my accent, it will. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a strange thing to say, but I know it from when I phone healthcare providers that if I go, hi there, I'd like to speak to blah, 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 that works better than if I wasn't speaking so... I don't want to even say eloquent, but like... Accent's huge. Um, it's weird. <laughs> um, what what I'm trying to say is, is there's other people in this city that have campaigned for change. And I definitely... I'm just one of the more quieter voices and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, well, okay. So you say that you're quite ha happy being a, a quiet voice. Mm -hmm. But then... But then I'm does sat that, here as does, well. Well, yeah, does that does that quiet voice create the change that you want? Or do we need louder voices to create that change? I don't know. I I just I just don't um because I like I like I, I've seen people from these communities try and campaign for change, but then because there's such a stigma like it falls on deaf ears almost. And then it's like, well, why, like, why should people take me more seriously than somebody that's got maybe a stronger Dundee accent? It's weird, eh? Yeah, I mean, I think it it probably comes down to these sort of inbuilt bias and prejudice that we have that we don't actually necessarily realise is there and under the surface. accent, like accent's huge. Like I think that people form a judgement based on accent. So I used to work with a guy who was like from Whitfield and he'd grown up in Whitfield all of his life and he spoke really, really well. And he was like, but Steph, you'd never know from my accent that that's where I'm from. And I was like, no, I know. I thought that you were from like Forfar <laughs> or something. And he was like, no, I grew up in Whitfield. Um, so yeah, like accents, and I form that judgment based on his accent. People form judgment based on accents. If I started talking like this, you'd probably get a different judgment. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it it's huge. Yeah, because we form. I mean, even if you only have that voice, you form a picture in your mind of who that person is, right? And you fill in the blanks. You create that backstory, mm -hmm. um, and your brain sort of does that without you even. It's an unconscious thing, yeah. yeah. It's... But accent's huge. So, just before we finish up, um, I sort of ask everyone this question, um, but could you recommend something that you've been watching, listening to, um, or reading recently? I watched Gerald's Game the other night. It's by Stephen King. And I really, really liked it. Because um, she was going to die and it forced her to deal with all of her childhood trauma because it was like a life or death situation. And um, the moral of the story is look inwards for answers and you'll heal. <laughs> and does that work? Yeah. Healing always comes from within. 
And so if if anyone's listening to this and they want to get in touch, uh, how do they do that? How do they find you? Just go on my Instagram page. It's Natalie Jewelry Studio. Um, just send me a message. Like, I won't bite. Um, just talk to... If you see me in the street, just talk to me. Just ask. I'll, I'll talk to anyone. Cool. That's great. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you very much to Stephanie for being a guest on the podcast um, and sharing her amazing story and the work that she's doing right now. Um, yeah, do go in and check that out. And if you want to get involved, help out, um, yes, yeah, always open to to conversations. Um, if you bump into the street or if you want to get in touch, all the links are in the show notes. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, the only thing... I'd like to say is, is thank you to everyone who's supported the podcast. Um, if you are enjoying these episodes, um, if you have been enjoying them for a while, I'd urge you to, to please support the podcast. Um, in a small way, you can buy me a little cup of coffee. Um, it'd be very much appreciated. And you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash CCC Dundee and you can sort it all out there. Um, or... If you want to keep up to date with all the new and latest episodes and content, um, it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. And yeah, next week, uh, next week it is technology, coding and the history of Dundee skate scene um, from the sort of 80s through to now um, with Rick Curran, um, someone who I'd, I, mean, I should have had on the podcast a while ago. Um, but yeah, I finally managed to, to get him in front of the microphone um, and that will be next week. But until then, bye.